hear that? I did. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, a.k.a. MFKS Radio on the airwave style at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are sinusly challenged. The Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Okay, before I forget... Okay. I was watching the Seahawks game. Yeah. Quote unquote watching. I had no idea Clay Matthews is on the Rams now. Yeah, he so his contract was up um in Green Bay and he signed a two year deal in uh Los Angeles cuz like that's where he lives in the off season and stuff that's where he's from and whatever. Oh, I see. Uh it double sucks cuz I don't like the Rams. And so then I have to watch the Rams so I can watch him play, but then I read yesterday uh, last night at the bar after our football game on the TV, it said that he... He's uh, hurt, right? Yeah, he broke or his no, jaw. Or no, he got fined? Oh no, broken jaw. Right, yeah, right, right. He's right, got right. broken jaw, so he'll be out at least four weeks. That's real rough. It is rough, but it also means it's four weeks. I don't have to watch the fucking Rams, so... Yeah, well, uh, there you go. I'm okay with A blessing it. in disguise. It is a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I was talking to a friend of my network. We were talking about... Uh, about football and she was just like yeah she's like i never she's like i was only a packers fan because clay matthews is like the most beautiful man in the nfl and i was like i support that choice mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then she says now i gotta watch the stupid rams i was like oh i know and then we got talking about sean mcveigh their coach uh he's like oh is he the one that just looks like a fucking idiot no no who's the, who am i thinking of? I don't the one know. with the crazy hair uh i don't know sean mcveigh yeah yeah. Oh, okay. He, no. Never mind. Never yeah. Mind. And so, he, so the rounds like in the rounds because she's like thirty four maybe. He's really young, um, and he has a, a get back coach, which I think is really funny. He's got a guy. Who, What's like, that? So he's one of their like training staff who pulls him off of the sideline when he's, like, too close because he's, like, so invested in what's happening on the field he doesn't notice, like, <laughs> officials and stuff coming. So this guy literally, like, moves him out of the way. Um, and I always joke about how, like, does Sean McVay still need a get-back coach? Because <laughs> where do I sign up for that? Um, but oh, then, for sure. I'm seeing him now. It's right? not, it's but not then, terrible. It's not terrible. But then I was listening to his post-game press conference um, on Thursday night, and he... I don't I don't know what his voice sounds like. I cannot ex- explain it to you, but it's almost like the David Beckham effect where it just doesn't quite fit and it ruins the whole thing. Oh no. Yeah. He's from Dayton, Ohio, according to his wiki. Oh, so well that would explain that. an awful Does lot it? about his accent then. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, but his as he's got like He's got that weird, it, it was like a weird twang, and it wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was a southern twang or a midwestern twang or whatever, but yeah, there there you go, it's from Ohio. Um, but he also, like, his voice is very gravelly, hmm. but, like, not in a good way. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's all for sports talk. <laughs> um, well, no, we have a sports, we have two sports questions for later. <laughs> I do want to ask you, because, um... The Devil's Home opener was last night, and season opener, too. And I had just sent you in all caps messages throughout because you were unable to watch. I was unable to watch. 
And I just want to know how that experience was for you. Well, to be <laughs> to, fair. Like, to see the <laughs> the implosion <laughs> of that game. Just through text messages. Um, yeah. Well, I also get score updates it's like from the score app. So like I kind of knew, you know, something was coming. Um, but it was funny because whenever you do, like I, whenever you're very excited, you make lots of spelling mistakes. And then oh, yeah. and, and on Apple phones, uh, the caps lock function somehow means that autocorrect is, like, disabled. I know. I have no idea why, but... Like, it's so fucking whatever. bizarre. Like, I've... That's been the thing that I have thought is so, so, so weird. Like, for as long as I've had an iPhone. Um... But then it will remember words that you've put in all caps. Like... Yes. One time, once, I texted a friend in all caps about Peaky Blinders, and every time I write Peaky, yeah, regardless of if it's talking about that, it auto-corrects it to all caps. When I write the word TV, like T-E-E-V-E, because you know how I do that sometimes, it's On all, the TV. all caps. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Um, but yeah, so it always makes me laugh, because when it's, when it's like good things happening, it's just all of the spelling mistakes. Yeah. And then when it's less good, you're a little bit more deliberate, I think, in what you're texting, and so there's fewer mistakes. Um, it's because I can go slower because it doesn't matter because it's just a yeah it's just it's an updated it's not despair. a it's not an emotional an emotional <laughs> high um, but no it was good because I was at our we had a high school football game last night um, we uh, jumped out to an early seven nothing lead and uh, the final score was forty to seven for the other team so oh, it was good Boise <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really good. Um, uh, last week we also jumped out to an early seven nothing lead and we lost. Oh shit, I can't even remember. Like a lot. Um, uh, and then the week before, I think we lost fifty four to nothing. Oh shit! And then the week before, we lost forty nine to twelve. And the week before that, we lost fourteen to twelve. So we play that same team again next week. So that's like our hope to not go over or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you might want to make some uh, coaching changes. Well, you see, um, <laughs> there, there are things that I do and do not say uh, when I am out as part of this, um, I would call it an organization, but like, that's being generous. Um, <laughs> there, there are things that I, I will give my opinions on uh, mm-hmm. and some things that I won't. Because Very smart. of the personalities involved. Um, yes. Our uh, our head coach is a very good friend of mine. <laughs> and uh, we get along very well, like 98% of the time. Uh, the other 2% of the time, we want to push each other down a flight of stairs. So... <laughs> um, you're both on, like, the landing meeting two separate staircases. Yes. And yes. you're just like... Fingers twitching. <laughs> we're, just, we're just waiting. We last in the spring, we're, we're, we got into a little bit about some like football related stuff. And uh, basically, we decided that if we we're ever that mad, I was like, I just want to push you down a flight of stairs. And he's like, I understand. And he was like, just make sure I can see it coming. And I was like, that seems fair somehow. Give you a just chance. Just make to sure try. I can get my wrists out to yeah, break just, my fall. Exactly. Um, but, but, but I also feel that. Me being like, you know what I think you need to do? Here's the problem. I feel like would not go over very well. No. 
Um, to be af- fair, it wouldn't go over well, I think, with anyone. <laughs> no, and after our for, after our first, not not the first game, but like this the the first big loss, um, we went out for beers afterwards, and one of the assistant coaches says to me, "He's like, what do you think?" <laughs> In my head, I was like, "Oh, I have nine hundred and seventy three thoughts right now. Pick the two least offensive. Go." <laughs> Like it was, I was like, what can I say that will get me in the least amount of trouble? Like, it was like a panic spiral? Kind of, yes. It, it took me, I was like, I have no opinions whatsoever. And uh, the head coach was like, that's bullshit, and you know it. And that was just enough to buy me time to be like, okay, here's what we Here's need the to real sp- tea. <laughs> we need to figure out what to do with the guys who are hurt on the sidelines, because they were a stat game, they were a super distraction. Mm. And we need to figure out, um, there was, I can't remember what the other thing was. And I was like, those are the two things that for me are the most noticeable Depressing. because like, yeah. well, cause the coaches don't notice those things when they're like in game, but mm-hmm. me not actually like having a coaching responsibility. I notice lots of other stuff. And so I'm like, well, there's, there's like, these guys are like fucking fighting with each other on the sidelines. So maybe we should stop that problem. And <laughs> I don't really know. Like, how to approach that. Yeah, for and, sure. And things like that. And so, <laughs> anyway, it was just it was just funny. It made me laugh. Oh, shit. Did you hear that? I did. <laughs> uh, just 100 episodes and we have just got the best audio in the game. We do. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. So, what's new? It's been so long. How was your trip? It was really nice, actually. Um, We had the misfortune of being in Norway at the exact time that the remnants of Hurricane Dorian hit Norway. Okay. (laughs) So that was was really super, super shitty. Um, Just, like, the craziest rains and wind I've ever experienced ever. And it was just so perfectly timed that it started the day we got there and ended the day we flew out. So it was just, like, classic. Of course. But, um, everything else was really good. Amsterdam is what I wish Paris was. Okay. Because I really dislike Paris. And Bruges... Is what I wish Amsterdam was, if oh. that makes sense. <laughs> I suppose. So, did you like Amsterdam or not? That I was did. My question. I did like Amsterdam. Yes. But of the my, three, of the three cities, though, then does that mean that Bruges is your favorite? Yes, for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds that sounds fair. But Bruges is a nightmare to drive around in, so I don't recommend that. Okay. Because it's, like, the, like, city center is all separated by a moat, like the old town. Are there snakes and alligators in it? I did not get close enough to look. There's a ton of ducks, though, and swans. Okay. Swans everywhere. Cool. And it's, like, it's all one ways to get in and to get out. And also, the roads are one car length wide, I'd say, maximum. Oh, that sounds <laughs> And in some areas, fun. less than that minimum. <laughs> but, so that was a little bit stressful. But, like, if you're just walking around, it's no big deal, whatever. But, 
yeah, Europe's super frustrating for that. And of course, it's all cobblestones too. So you're like, yeah, trying to navigate, and you're like bouncing around, and you're like the whole time. Um, but I, yeah, it was really, really nice. We after that we drove from, um, or like once we got back to Amsterdam from Norway, we drove to uh, Normandy in France and back. Which is, Normandy is beautiful, isn't it? Like, that whole... So beautiful. And it's so funny, because, like, in the Netherlands and in Belgium, you're like, oh, this is, like, okay, this is, like, the prairies. It's 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 more green than the prairies, because, of course, you're coastal, but, like, it's very flat, and it's still, like, it's very pastoral, it's very lovely, it's very scenic. And then you get to northern France and you're like, oh, shit, these are hills. Mm-hmm. There's hills here now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like a straight up forest. It was so interesting to see those subtle changes in geography. Yeah. In like five kilometers but of it's difference. Still, but it's still like very pastoral and very. Absolutely. And, like all, and the thing I love about about Europe is like all of these places, big or small, have these giant fucking churches. Yes. Oh, for sure. You're just, like, driving on whatever, the A4 to whoever the fuck. And especially in northern France, you'll see these big brown signs that, like, tell you what, like, tourist things are nearby. Yeah. And every one of them is just a giant church. Yeah. And you can see the towns will be, like, three kilometers away from each other. You can see both of them in your eyesight, one across the highway from the other and they both have giant cathedrals that are like 300 400 years old yeah which is like absolutely insane yeah like when my dad and i were in normandy um we we spent like i don't know we spent however i can't remember how, how many days in london like i think we did like four days in london and then we took the train to paris and rented a car and then drove out of paris like immediately yes um, you must <laughs> oh no i love paris so i don't i don't understand what your dislike of it is but we went back to Paris afterwards, but we spent, like, four days or whatever um, traipsing around Normandy and, like, in different military cemeteries and and stuff. And, like, obviously we went to Vimy Ridge and, mm-hmm. like, it was, it was awesome. We had, like, it, we had such a good time. But the thing that I think surprised us the most was when we went uh, into the town of Bayou, where the Bayou Tapestry is. Because mm-hmm. um, that fucking cathedral is gigantic and it's this, like, little tiny town. Um, I know. And there was, like, it was just, like, the neatest thing. And all the, what I like about it is, like, all the buildings are all so close together, and the streets, mm-hmm. and the, the towns are also little, and, like, also narrow, and, and bendy, and whatever. Like, I just, I, I love everything about them. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, each, and that's the thing, because they're all so similar, but each of them has such a different character and style. Because they're all, like, built at around the same time using the same, like, influences. Yes. But it's hard sometimes to distinguish one from the other. But, like, seeing all those cathedrals made me so fucking angry because I was like, god damn it, this thing took, like, 30 goddamn years to build and used all this wealth and yet everyone else was just so impoverished. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just like, ah! <laughs> The inequality is so frustrating. Yeah, but yeah, it's, I really, like, I really love, I really loved that part of France, and I would love to go back and just, like, and have more time and just, like, putz around. Oh, for sure. And it, like, it's so, it's so fast and easy to get anywhere. Like, the farthest 
place we went, we split it up into a lot of days. But from Amsterdam, the farthest place we went from there was only seven hours of a, a straight drive. Yeah, like it's not, yeah, it's not far. No, and like for us, that's like, I don't know, we, you and I do road trips all the time, but I don't know if that's... Well, that would be like well, that would be but... like driving to Regina from here. Like that's about the uh, it's about seven yeah. hours to Regina from Edmonton and from Calgary too, right? But you're actually going to a different country and you pass through another different country on your way to that yes. different country. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Like that's absolutely crazy. <laughs> but yeah, Normandy's the shit. Northern France is the shit. It would blew my mind. I don't know what I was expecting, but it blew my mind how much shit is named after Canada over there. Yes, like, there is a lot. There's can- Canadian flags everywhere. And also, like, a lot of the main roads in these towns, which are, like, some of them are, like, six-block radius. Other of them are, like, quite large, like Carentan. But their main road is Rue de Canadienne. Yeah. Or, like, Canadian Liberation Square. Like, there's just so, so, so many name legacies over there. Yeah. Which, especially in Vimy, had me thinking. Because, like, it's been over a hundred years now. Yeah. And I wonder how closely connected that population feels to that name. I don't know. to that event. I'm not sure. Because everyone's dead. They have to be. But like, but then, but then you want like, but I think that I think the reason that it's it's sort of is there. I mean, obviously, there's the memorial and and whatever. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I wish my dad and I had been able to find, and this is like our fault for not getting GPS on in the car, um, was the memorial at Beaumont Amel. Oh yeah. Um, I wish we would have been able to find that, and it, like we weren't very far away from it, but we just like didn't know where to go because it's fucking hard to drive around in France. It is. <laughs> Because even, like, the best map you can get, like, doesn't get you all of the small roads. And so no, it's not just, like, very complicated. Um, but I, I wonder, like, because of the World War II connection. Because, like, like, if it's diluted? I, well, yeah, but, but I think that that's one of the reasons why maybe the, the connection to, like, that World War One, some of that, like, memorializing, I think, still exists. Because there's also that connection from, you know, like, the 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And in all of those places, like in Dieppe and or whatever, like you have those those cemeteries and you have the memorials to the Canadian troops and you have like so there's like all of the things that are there, and so I wonder if that like helps to maintain some of that. Yeah, probably. I just <coughs> I just find it like really I just find it really interesting, and I wish that. Because everyone that we talked to, really, in those places were connected to Canada in some way. Like, mm-hmm. all the guides at Vimy, like, it's run by the Canadian government. Not all of them are, but that one is. Oh, yeah, the one so, at Vimy is awesome. Like, you can, if you're a university student and you're bilingual, like, it's, like, it's, you apply for, like, a four-month work term. I'm sure it's the absolute shit. It looked like the best job. Right? Like, how cool would that be? For sure. And, like, the the tour that we got there was awesome, and it was all free, which is, like, nothing comes free in Europe. Yes. <laughs> nothing. Water isn't free. Like, yeah. good luck. Um, so, like, that was a nice surprise, but that's why I wonder, like, because 
while we're going there to like experience a different thing, we're also seeing it from a perspective that is our own. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I wish we could have talked to like more local locals to understand that. But yeah, the it's just strange. Yeah. But, I'm, but well, yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. And, like, highly recommending doing that stuff. The, we went to um, Juno first. And um, I was like, we have to go to the War Cemetery because it's right outside town. It was on our way to Dieppe where we were staying for the night. Yeah. Um, and I was... I didn't really know what I would, like, think when I got there. Mm-hmm. And the the war cemeteries are really beautiful. They're beautifully maintained. Like, they're usually maintained by, like, locals that are, like, trying to keep the 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 memories alive, etc., etc. Yeah. And, oh, goodness, Poe. Did you hear him just whine at me? Mm-hmm. As I was walking around, um... At the Juno one, the headstones, a lot of them had where the soldiers were from. Yeah. Because on the um, on the bottom of the headstone, more often than not, there would be some sort of personalized message. Like, a lot of them were religious in nature. And I was just like, it was just really blowing my mind as we were, like, walking around, looking at the ages and looking at, like, you know, what... Um, detachment and what regiment they're from, etc. And I found one that literally said Stoughton, Saskatchewan. Yeah. And I started sobbing. Really? So- like, sobbed the whole time I walked around. We probably spent like a half an hour walking around, like, reading and looking and and taking our time. And I don't know why that, like, connection to close to my hometown in Saskatchewan just like fucking got to me i remember for me the thing that was like the most impactful was seeing the ages more than anything oh for sure um and like how many of those guys were like 18 and 19 right because like just you know knowing that like those are just thinking about like the kids that i teach yeah right? and when they graduate from high school they're 18 17, mm-hmm. 18, and then, like, a year later, you know? And I was just like, man. And, like, and depending so on where... Of them. And just, so like... So many. So many. And at the Juno one, I remember walking in, and, like, my first thought was, was, there's so many of them. Like, I think at that one, there's, like, 2,000, 2,300, something like that. Something like that, I think, yeah. And... Like, that number, you can visualize it, but to see it... Yes. ...is such a different experience. And, like, combined with, like, the overwhelming amount. And that's just, like, one of, I don't know how many, I don't know, a hundred war cemeteries in France? Like so many. Who fucking knows? And they're all mostly maintained by, like, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. Yeah. Um, And they are just, like... They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. Um, and they're all... What I love about military cemeteries is, like, is the precision. 
Because mm-hmm. um, it's really cool to look across, like, the headstones and to see... It's just, it's meticulous. It yeah. is. And it's, it, and I like the Canadian ones better than the American ones. Um, mm-hmm. cause the American ones have crosses as their markers and I like the Canadian ones better with like the rounded the top stones. Yeah. Um, but I also felt what I always found really interesting too when looking at some of those was, um, when you have the soldiers from like elsewhere buried in those cemeteries and they've got like a different shape, mm-hmm. um, of stone or like in one, I think it was... Oh, oh no. Oh no. Megan just Fuck. hung up on me. Megan. Oh no. You I hung, hung up, up on, on me. Kelsey. Shit, shit, shit. My goodness. Oh boy. Megan, Hello? come back. Oh no. <laughs> I got her voicemail. This is wonderful. Megan hung up on me. (laughs) I did. I'm so sorry. I have, like, a thing on the where the microphone is on my headphone. It's also got, like, a button for, like, changing, and I hit it, and it hung up. (laughs) I just, like, went to move the cord. I was like, oh, no, oh, no. I'm not taking any of that out. Whatever. It's all good. Um, One of the things, I think it was one of the cemeteries that my dad and I were in 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 Belgium, Um, if I'm remembering right. Was it Belgium? Yeah, no, yeah, it was in Belgium. And so, and we went, because we went to see where uh, John McRae was buried. Mm. Oh, um, in Flanders. And, yeah, and you can actually go to, uh, there's a cemetery and a, a memorial to where he was, like the field hospital that he was serving in. Um, and you can go into the bunkers and the sandbags are still all there and it's pretty cool. Uh, but one of the things I remember in one of those cemeteries was that there were also like soldiers, British Empire soldiers mm-hmm. um, from like India and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And so their stones were written in whichever language, which I thought was really cool, because it's like sure. a, it's an and acknowledgement like, to the people from from elsewhere, not just Canada, not just Britain, mm-hmm. whatever. And there's some Americans buried in some of those, and and mm-hmm. they have the same shape of headstone, um, but they'll have like a different insignia yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that's really cool. Um, and yeah, to see them and how they're maintained and like. And it's just interesting because you, you can just be driving along and then all of a sudden, like, there's a cemetery. Mm-hmm. And it's just a military cemetery. It's not, obviously, a public one. Um, and you go in and they're, like, just absolutely meticulously groomed and looked after. And it's incredible. It is. What really blew my mind is the difference between the World War One graves and the World War Two ones. Because mm-hmm. I don't ever remember seeing a World War II headstone that didn't have a name on it. Whereas the one we went to in Vimy, I would say 70% of them just had a soldier of the Great War, a Canadian regiment. Yes. Known unto God. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. Sometimes it'll say, like, of a certain, <coughs> like, battalion. Yes. Or something like that. But yeah, lots but of, you're right. Lots of them don't have names. Don't have names. So it's just like that I found like super, super shocking the amount of them that were unidentified. But also knowing Vimy, it makes 100% sense considering the shit show that Vimy was. But Oh, absolutely. But just like really, really sad. And also it made me think of... Um, at the Juno Beach um, Museum, and this is probably why it was, like, so upsetting to me when I saw that one, the first one, 
um, there was a, a thing about uh, the ceremony, or sorry, the cemetery close by, and it had the granddaughter, who was like grown and probably had kids of her own, visiting um, the grave of her... What, would it have been grandfather? Possibly, maybe. Possibly. Whatever that relationship was, it absolutely broke my heart because there was a photo of her visiting the headstone and the caption said something along the lines of this person's like immediate family never came, their kids never came, and mm-hmm. this granddaughter is the first person in their whole family who had the mm-hmm. opportunity to come and the means to come over to France and see where they are buried and yes. see their headstone. And that is fucking heartbreaking. Oh, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and, there, and there's like so many of those those people, like they, they never, yeah, their families never would have had the opportunity. No. Right, like if you think about like, because I, I remember the one, the, the one that Dad and I were at in where the like memorial, not where John McRae is actually buried because we went there as well, but like the at the field hospital site, it's been turned into a cemetery. And there were guys there who had, who were killed in, like, December of 1914. Oh, my God. Right like away. right off the hop, yeah. And, like, and, and when you when you read the, when you teach, like, I teach about it, right? Obviously, we teach about World War One and World War Two, and then you read about it, and, like, just sort of that, like, that almost, like, boisterous joy of going to war. Mm-hmm. In, in 1914, they're like, oh, they'll be down home by Christmas and whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, that's not how it went. Um, and it's just such a, like a, it's such a stark reminder of that when you see those names and those dates and those ages, like, on those headstones. Oh, for sure. And especially, like, World War Two, I think, was, like, our involvement in it was so much more justified. World War One is just, makes me so fucking angry because it was so goddamn stupid why it started. And reading Fall of Giants made me fucking furious. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just a rich white man being like, oh, wow. You know, we have to protect Germany's honor. And it's like, go fuck your honor. Like, you killed millions and millions yeah. in the name of honor, and that's bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, well, and yeah, in World War Two, like, it does, I don't know, it feels different somehow, because, like, you know, from like a, a nat- like a Canadian sort of nationalist perspective, right? Where in World War One we just Britain declared war, so there we were. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, in World War Two it was the same thing. Like there we were, but but we had our own had the autonomy. Yes, to to make that call at a, at whatever point sort of worked, and then and then I think showing sort of the success of the the Canadian military effort by the Canadians having their own landing beach at the D-Day invasions, I think was like, that's sort of the thing that you remember. Separates it out. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, But the, the, the memorial in Vimy, like the, the actual, like the, the monument itself is fucking incredible. It absolutely is. I didn't, I've seen photos and it looks huge and then you get there and you're like oh my god this is fucking huge my dad and i we <laughs> took a picture because by the time we got there the like visitor center was closed which was actually quite all right we didn't really need the tour we no just, we had a great we had a wonderful like late afternoon him and i just kind of wandering around um and so we have a picture of him he climbed the steps 
and just and kind of stood um, beside one of like the figures that's on the mm-hmm. the back side of the memorial, not the like not the side that faces not down the, front, the hill. Yeah. Um, and he's wearing all black. Oh wow! And he is so tiny in comparison. Yeah, and so to this stark. Thing. Yeah. And we did that on purpose, like to to show mom like the the scale because she uh, she didn't end up coming over with him, and so just to show her like this is how big this thing is. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how big it is. It truly is. It's unbelievable how big it like, is. You like you. I've seen pictures of it and whatever, but like until you and unless you have a human sized object in it, you, in it, it's really hard to be able to figure out how big it actually is because it just like the people are all to scale and like whatever, but this thing is just fucking massive. Yeah, and I, I'm i just looking through my photos right now, and maybe I'll post them on the Insta, because um, of one of the statues, I put my hand next to it, next to the foot, mm-hmm. and my hand is, like, as long as the big toe. <laughs> yeah, and, like... It's crazy. So, if you go to Ottawa, and you go to the War Museum in Ottawa, mm-hmm. um, then in the old one, they didn't have the space for it, and so in this, this newer building... Um, which is now, I think, like, 15 years old. It's not that new anymore, my God. Because um, Mom and I went, when I graduated from university, that was, like, my that was my graduation trip. We spent Canada Day in Ottawa. It was great. Um, cool. But we went to the War Museum, and as you go from, like, one level down to the next, if you to go into the gallery where there's, um, like, all of the old vehicles and stuff, they have, like, some of the smaller scale models of the, the statues from the Vimy Memorial. Mm-hmm. And even those smaller, like, scale models are huge. Ginormous, yeah. Um, and I hadn't been to Vimy when I first saw those, and I was like, oh my god, if these are small. Like, I didn't know how much smaller, but I was like, if these aren't even as big as that, like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to see them for real was, like, was it was very impressive. It is. And, like, really, it's a really moving monument to, like, look at. I think it's pretty pretty fitting and i'm glad that that's that that's the design that won but i found it a little bit i don't know what it was something about it just like felt off to me maybe it was because like it faces down the hill but it's really hard to like get a look at the front of it yes well, and that was one of the things that was nice when Dad and I were there because it was just us. There was no one else around, so we just like went for went for a walk around and down the path down the side and just kind of mm-hmm. went for a walk. And there was and there was nobody around, so we could just kind of take our time and and like that one that one statue that lone statue that just like sits there, mm-hmm. looking down the hillside. Yeah, that would that made I Canada in morning, that, and that made me cry. Yeah, that's the one that's really really moving. I found it interesting too how much. It's a callback to, like, classical architecture because the statues are of justice and truth and and hope. And then at the front of it, leading it all, is Canada in mourning. Yes. And that was really, really gorgeous. But again, it's really hard to see that one. (laughs) Yeah, because it's... And if you want to actually see it, you have to get up right close to the base of the thing. Yeah. Um... Uh, did you guys happen to go uh, in Belgium? Did you happen to go to the town of Ypres? We did not. Because we ran was, out of time. 
dad and I, we only spent maybe three or four hours in the town. We didn't, we just wanted, he, he had done some reading and he's like, I want to go there. I was like, okay, let's make it happen. Um, and one of the things that they have there, um, they have the Menin Gate, mm-hmm. which is like the, a memorial to the missing. It is absolutely spectacular. And you can climb up the stairs on both sides and there's a road that goes through it. It's essentially like a tunnel, more or less. And you can, and there are just names engraved on the walls. Oh, man. Um, oh, my God. 54,000 commemorated there? Yeah. Like, it's Holy unbelievable. Shit. It's really, really, really cool. And it's and it's dedicated to British and Commonwealth soldiers, except, I think, for people from Newfoundland, or Newfoundland and New Zealand. I think there's either none of them there or they were never named or whatever, um, who were killed on the Ypres salient and where they're, and whose burial spots and graves are actually unknown. Like, just um, think about that. 54,000 just, just in Yeep. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it mm-hmm. makes me so angry. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, the whole thing is, like, when you think about it, like, and that's the thing when we talk about, um, when we talk about it and we teach about it, and I mentioned, like, when we, I talk about the Battle of the Somme all the time and how the British lost 60,000 men in a day. Yeah. Like, that's just, like, it's just, it's absolutely mind-boggling when you think it's about it. It's so hard to com- comprehend those numbers. Um, but <sighs> yeah, it's, it's, it's cool when you look at, like, um, when you look at, like, at the men in gate, right? And they have, um, there's, like, Victoria Cross recipients who are commemorated there. So people who had, who had received it, and then their graves are unknown. So their remains are just somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, somewhere in, in Belgium or northern France or whatever. Like, no one knows. I know. Um, that's, yeah, that's one of the most upsetting things. A lot of the, yeah, the World War One graves are just, and the World War One memorials are just so, so much more moving, I think, because there's so much uncertainty. Yes. Like, I saw two or three headstones of people that the thing said are believed to be buried here. Yes, and they don't actually know for sure. That's yeah. really, really heartbreaking. Which is crazy. So I'm just reading here on the Wikipedia page about the Menin Gate. Mm-hmm. It says here, British and Commonwealth soldiers often pass through the Menin, uh, the Menin port on the way, their way to the front lines, with some 300,000 of them being killed in the Eve salient, and 90,000 of them have no known graves. Fuck. That's so many. Yeah. That's so many. That's insane. We really, I don't think we comprehend, like, how devastating World War One was. No. And it, and, and, and it was just, like, it was just such a shift, right? And it was just, like, you could just get mowed down, in, you know? In a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, fa- like, it's fascinating to learn about and to think about, but we really, truly can't comprehend it. No. Like, and we- at the, at the Vimy thing, they had a tour of the... Um, trenches and bunkers there mm-hmm. that we did for free and you go down and you go like really deep down where they yeah. dug the trenches that were the ones that they were trying to like cut under the enemy and then explode them yeah and the at the one kind of crossing of the two trenches we sat there and they turned off all the emergency lights down there and they said like this is what it would have been like as they're preparing to like go over the top they're down here they're hiding there's 
could be up to two, 300 men down here. Sometimes they're waiting 36 hours yeah. in the dark, no hot food, nothing for them other than the sound of death above. Yeah. Oh my God. And so the other thing that dad and I did, which it's, and it's kind of too bad you guys ran out of time because it was a really cool World War One museum in Ypres as well that we went to. And when you say that, like when you just, when you said that they're like the sound of death above, when you go into this museum, it's like, it's a nice path, like kind of pathway through the war. Um, mm-hmm. from, and like the town of Ypres was like absolutely raised to the ground in, mm-hmm. in the first world war. There was very little left standing once it was over. Um, and so this museum is actually built in an old train station, which is oh. really cool. But when you go in, you know, when you go into a museum, like every once in a while, if you're at like particular exhibits, you might hear, you know, like someone's listening to some audio or whatever. Right. But yeah. there, there was like this sound over top of what you were doing and it reminded me once I saw the movie Dunkirk it like reminded me of that it was like that kind of really oppressive sort of music oh wow and it played the entire time you were in there oh god and then when you walked out like I remember feeling like a weight had been lifted just walking out yeah because it didn't feel like the walls were like gonna close in and I like just thinking about what that would have been like to hear the just the constant noise oh for sure all the time all the time like how do you get any any peace any 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 rest nothing yeah and and to think about like the likelihood of you dying instantly the moment you go over the top is like 99.9 percent yeah like you see people get cut down over and over and over in front of you and yet you still do it because and yet you still do it. Yeah, yeah, really astonishing. When you went to Normandy, did you go to um, any of the U.S. museums? No, no, we didn't. Yeah, we we were there like over Canada Day, so we just kind of did our Canada did stuff. Our Canada stuff, yeah. Okay, because I want to tell you about the differences between the Juneau Beach Museum and the Utah Museum. Okay, I would love to hear about it. Because they are fucking starkly different. The Juno Beach Museum was great. I loved it. It's really good. And what I really appreciated about it is that it is privately funded. Yes. So, like, you're paying towards the running of it. And it's it's put on by people who have a vested interest in, in keeping memories alive. And I think considering it has no government interference, it's, like, really, really well put together. Yeah. And um, when you first go in, there is... I'm not... Obviously, I'm not telling this to you, Megan. I'm telling it to the listeners. Or one listener. Um, There's a really comprehensive historical context to what's going on in Canada before the breakout of World War One Or World War Two. sorry. Yeah. Which I found really fascinating, like um, economic strike with the crash, the like immigration, the realities of immigration, um, like changing social and political understandings of, you know, women's suffrage. Like they do a ton of that stuff at the start to prep you for what the people who went to war, the world that they lived in, what their home was. And then throughout Juno, there's a huge emphasis on the people who fought. 
it really humanizes them. You feel, a, I, I think, a deep connection to the people who thought, who fought and the people who died. And there's like a huge um, emphasis put on the sacrifice and the loss and like keeping that sacrifice like in your mind and in your heart. Yeah. And what that would have been like for people in like Podunk, Stoughton, Saskatchewan who their son went off to war and literally nothing of him is coming back. You don't even get to see his gravesite. Like Right. You're just given a letter that either they're MIA and six months later they're presumed KIA and that's it. Yeah. And at the end, there's this really lovely film about, um, oh shit, what was it called? I think it was called They Walk With Us. Okay. Or something like that. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Vaguely. But um, it has, like, superimposed onto, like, a live shot of the beach. Um, Obviously, people in costume, like, walking along with, like, tourists there to, like, visit and commemorate. And it's so emotional. Yeah. Because of that emphasis they're putting on the the individuals, the people who fought. And then you go to Utah. <laughs> and Utah is all about the shit that they created and the shit that they used to fight the war. It's tanks. It's planes. It's guns. It's technology. It's all the stuff. Like, there's nothing, there's no emotional connection to Utah. Over and over and over, what we saw was, like, the the D-Day plan went off with barely a scratch. Like That's absolute horseshit. I know. I know. And they're talking about, like, oh, we, we anticipated so many more casualties and they were, like, basically zero. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was so crazy I couldn't believe that and it was only like a footnote at the end during this like kind of multimedia audio visual thing where they talked about um the literally during the end credits what the casualty numbers were which were astronomical yes it was such horse shit but when you say that it reminds me of the museum that Reva and I went to in uh St. Paul Minnesota Mm -hmm. They had a, an America in World War One exhibit, and I was like, "What? This should be about four panels long." You were there for four, th- like four seconds. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and it was all very much about like this is how great America was at the time, and also like we won the war was essentially. And I was like, "Wait a minute, it's not what? how that worked at all." It was bizarre. That yeah, it like it blew my mind. What I found, what I appreciated from the Utah Museum though, was like. It had what the Juno Beach lacked. Like Juno Beach, it was people's uniforms and their their clothes and the things they brought with them and like just a very humanized war experience. But what Utah provided you was scale. Right. Like you saw how big the tanks were. They had pieces of bombs. They had, you know, the motorcycles. They had bikes that people would commandeer and use to, like, get materials to the front. You saw, like, their ration, their K-ration kits. Like, they had a lot of the, the, the stuff that war required. Mm-hmm. But they also had Nazi shit. So much Nazi shit. Like, that's what you see first when you get there. 
on both sides of you is all Nazi memorabilia. And that was fascinating. Because I don't think in Juno there was talk of, like, who the enemy is, really. Like, there's the propaganda posters, which are, like, mm-hmm. they're using for, like, historical context. Yeah. But I don't think there was anything about, like, fighting the Nazis. You know what I just thought of was Brad Pitt saying Nazis? Nazis. Um, <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. Which I feel like is not the point that you're trying to underscore here. No. But kind of in a way, maybe a little bit. But like, to me, I mean? like, that was fascinating because, like, I'd never seen any of it before. Like, of so, course, you see it in, in film and and like art and things like that but not like this was a flag that they like yeah. some soldiers ripped down there's like a, it's there's got a, the iron eagle on it they've got there's a car in the war museum in ottawa that was one of hitler's touring cars oh yeah i think i have been there i think i have seen which that. and there and there's like a, a nazi like a flag like of the swastika flag mm-hmm. or whatever um, that was taken down by, I think, by American troops, actually. I believe that one. Um, and if you're in Paris, if you go to uh, the War Museum in Paris, like uh, uh, like at, at, at uh, Les Invalides, they've got, uh, someone's made an Iron Eagle sculpture out of shell casings from World War II. <laughs> it's fucking sweet. Um, there's some sweet. really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, you're right about that. Cause like, I think, and I think for us in Canada, like our sort of mythology about D-Day. We don't is... necessarily like demonize the other side, but sorry, but I, I interrupted but I, you. No, and I, but I was, I was thinking sort of that, but I think like, you're right. I think we look at the more of like the, the sacrifice component of it because mm-hmm. so many of these, of these guys who went over to fight were from these small towns and... Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think for us, there's this little, like, it's, it's more of a, a more of an intimate sort of remembrance activity Mm -hmm. than like the big, this like big patriotic whatever. For sure. We could have gone one of two ways after that, right? Because after the Second World War, um, Canada had, if I remember correctly, like the third biggest air force and the fourth biggest Navy in the world. Hmm. And now we don't. Mm-hmm. And so we went a very different direction after that. And I think that's one of the reasons maybe that our, like, remembrance of those things now is a little bit more geared towards, like, the human side of it. For sure. Rather than than that, like, military-industrial Complex, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, like, when you look at, like, Remembrance Day here... Versus so like, different versus than like, like Veterans Memori- Day or Memorial Day, Memorial Day yeah. parades. Like yeah. and Memorial Day long weekend is like the start of barbecue season. Like yeah. Whereas Remembrance Day here, and you like if you watch the ceremony from Ottawa, and at the end, and people take their poppies off and put them on the the tomb of the unknown soldier, and like mm-hmm. it's that very so like, solemn, yeah. And and I think that 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 is emblematic of those differences that you probably saw in those mm-hmm. two different museums. Yeah, like, it felt very, I don't know if celebratory is the right word. But not necessarily commemorative. Not necessarily commemorative, yeah. Juno was much more commemorative. But what, like, really, I'm I'm glad that we went to Utah, like, to see those different perspectives. But what really stood out to me is in the German, like, case of all the shit there, um... 
there's a pair of boots and I'm just reading the picture that I took of it. It says, although bulky weighing over three pounds each, these boots were very warm. They were given to certain categories of soldiers, such as sentinels on the Russian front. Their felt often consisted of human hair taken from the millions of Jews murdered in concentration camps. And I have been to Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. And you see the rooms and rooms of stuff that they've taken yeah. from prisoners and the people they've killed. And to see that here, like, to see the physical remnants of that was really astonishing to me. To see it made real. Because, like, you can comprehend, like, this is is a room of all shoes. This is a room of all suitcases. Yes. This room used to be full of human hair, you know? Like, and then, like, to see the boots that's, like... Yeah, these were made during World War II, and the likelihood of them being made by felt from hair Mm -hmm. is essentially accurate. She's like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, and and it it, it puts it into, it kind of, like, puts that into, like, pretty stark relief. Mm -hmm. Right, where you're like, holy shit, like, this was something that... You know, like, because we talk about, like, the war effort, and we talk about, like, the sort of the mechanization of industry or whatever in the different places, but you don't really think about, like, those particular things. No, like, the things necessary to generate war. Yeah. You don't think about needing human hair to make felt. No. And who those humans were. Yeah, Yeah. like, why would you? It's not like soldiers were cutting off their hair. No. To, like, make felt. Yeah, or, or women, like, civilian women were doing that. No, like yeah. you, how could you even keep up with those requirements? Yeah. You couldn't. Yeah. And Damn. you think of like Germany being so militarized and like everything for the war effort. And you're like, yeah, everything for the war effort. Literally everything. Yeah. So fucked. Speaking of that, I also went to Anne Frank in Amsterdam. Okay. The Anne Frank house. Have you done that? I haven't. No, I haven't had time for that. I highly recommend it. Um, If you're going to do it, though, be smart and make sure you book ahead because they literally book months in advance. They only allow, like, certain people in it um, in time slots. Yeah. Because, obviously, it's incredibly small. You're in an attic. Um, But we were lucky and were able to get... They released 200 tickets for each day. They, like, reserve them for day of and you have to like get on the website at like 8:59, and they're all taken by 902 kind of thing yeah yeah um but i highly recommend that and that was actually really moving and really lovely too and like a a very interesting experience to walk through and like hear he, they essentially like read you parts of her diary as you're in the spaces where she read where she wrote them. Okay. And that was really, really moving. Yeah. Like talking about like oh, um, we all have to be done in the bathroom before eight a.m. and then we can't talk again till eight p.m. and we can't move, so we have to be very quiet. And I'm being very quiet by rewriting my diary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh god. <laughs> just a small girl (laughs) like i know i know i know know. and that's like yeah that's a hard one it's it was really it was really beautiful and really well done and quite um 
quite impressive how they've really restored everything to what it would have been like for them. And heartbreaking too, because like in the wall that she shared, uh, or in the room that she shared, I forget his name, maybe Franz, the other young person, mm-hmm. not her sister Margot, but um, she, like they read you parts of her diary about, she, uh, she says like the, the room is so grim and it's just wallpaper. So um, Papa brought my, all my photos from the house because he was still working, I think, initially in the warehouse. And he, and like her photos that she glued to the wall of like movie stars and people she idolized, like it's still mm-hmm. that. That's what the wall is. Mm hmm. Ugh. So, well, and, the, and it, it's a good reminder that like she was just a kid. She was just a small girl. And, and that, like, like kids haven't changed. No, not at all. In that time period. And she had dreams of being a journalist and, like, cared about people and the world. And especially her sister Margot, because there's not a lot said about her. But there's photos of her, and I'm like, oh my god, Margot was fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like, just a beautiful, beautiful family. Yeah. Goddamn Nazis. I know. I mean, like, that's a, I think that's a general, I think that's a general statement for just all time. Yeah. Goddamn Nazis. Goddamn Nazis. They're the, you know what? I'm going to go out and say it. They're the fucking worst, Megan. (laughs) I think so, too. I think, I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Lo and behold, anti-Nazi podcast. (laughs) We've talked about the war for, like, an hour. (laughs) I know. That's why I was like, oh, God, we're going to have to talk about this for a while. Sorry, listener. Listener. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you heard it. (laughs) Um, You heard it. So I started watching. Can we, like, carry on? Sure, please. Um, I'm actually surprised I did not cry on the podcast. (laughs) Go ahead. Um, I started watching Schitt's Creek. Mm Mm-hmm. Finally. Um, I watched the first three episodes, like, when it was first aired on CBC, and I was like, oh, this fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> and everyone else was like, everybody that I know was like, no, it's so funny, it's so funny. And I was like, it's like Harry Potter. I'm not, I'm not hooked. Like, I'm never going to watch it. And I'm like, I finally am like, I'm only six episodes in, because I've been very busy so far this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've only managed to make three more episodes that I made the first time and it is like it's funny but I'm kind of like I really do hope it gets better because so far I'm not uh I'm not sold I think it does a lot of people talk about like seasons um I think three and four are like solid gold I didn't even make it through season one it just like wasn't my cup of tea and I hate fucking what's his name Chris Elliott yeah I'm not a fan of him Oh, I cannot stand him. And every time he's on screen, I literally wanted to die. So I couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, like, it's just interesting that, like, all these people that I know who really love it. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I thought we had the same taste, but maybe we don't. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. I think it's also one of those shows where, like, you have to commit to a certain point like everyone says like the wire you have to get through season one yeah season two is like the low point but season three whatever 
or whatever like the wire equation is or like Friday Night Lights season one is great season two is rocky and uneven and then they just get better from there yeah yeah and so anytime anyone I know like ever starts watching Friday Night Lights I'm like okay just watch season two knowing that they never really finished it Mm -hmm. and then wait for season three because it's really good it's like reading To Kill a Mockingbird you're like part one sucks (laughs) there's a lot to get through (laughs) but it's worth it in the end I was in this this last week this pat oh my god that was just this fucking week oh my god oh boy all right my like sense of time is all a disaster on Wednesday night after trivia I was telling Reva about something I was like oh yeah this happened like four or five days ago whatever and I was like nope that was Monday never mind (laughs) like my my point of reference is all fucked up right now because like I just don't know what's going on but anyway I was in uh, a PD thing for two and a half days. I was getting some training for how to teach IB English, which was interesting, and I learned a lot of stuff. Um, but the most reassuring thing that I learned is that the way that I teach very much models like what IB wants out of anyways. Anyway, so I was like, oh, I don't feel like I'm out of my depth at all anymore. That's great. Um, but one of the things we got talking about actually was why people still teach To Kill a Mockingbird and like some of the people in there. So I, I will. I will say this. Our facilitator was wonderful. She teaches at a school outside Washington, D.C. Um, and she's been an IB, like, coordinator for, like, 25 years. And she's, like, she she drinks the IB Kool-Aid, like, every day. For sure. She was great. She was wonderful. Um, she'd never been to Edmonton, and she really liked our school. Like, was the, the session was at our school, and she really liked it. She was impressed by, like, we have, like, a student-run cafe at our school, and we have... Um, like gender neutral, gender neutral washrooms, and one of the projects that our leadership department had had uh, spearheaded last year was getting like both, like we have a couple of aquariums sitting out in the atrium, and then they're also like the some of the kids are like growing plants, and our foods teacher like got a grant so that we can have like our own herb garden and stuff, and they brought some fruit trees, and like like there's lots of really cool things going on in our school, mm-hmm. and so she was really impressed by the school which I thought was kind of neat um but she was telling us about her IB program and at our school we have like maybe 20 kids who are gonna get an IB diploma this year and at her school they have 175 oh boysy and she's the coordinator so she looks after all that shit <laughs> I'm just like I don't know how you do this but no, anyway oh god um, that's so many it's it's insane like that's crazy um and but part of it I think is because of her right and she drinks the kool-aid and they're the kids are she seems like the kind of person that kids would be like definitely interested in like listening to right Right. and so like I get it but one of the things we got talking about and because I found that some of the people in this workshop were very much there to like be validated in how smart they were yes 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 and I was like and I was like okay bitch first of all (laughs) there is maybe one person in this room who is smarter than me and it is definitely not you like that was a thought that I had many times um and there was this one woman she kept talking about um, like I, every time she spoke about something, I thought she was going to cry with how much she loved English. And I was like, you just need to like slow your roll a little bit here. You need to drink um, less Kool-Aid. Yeah. Maybe have some water. Perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, or like, like some whiskey, like chill. Yeah. Just, just something. Maybe just some milk even. I don't know. Just something. <laughs> um, so there was, it was just funny cause there was lots of that, but we got talking about why we sort of, why, why schools, um, and other teachers, maybe whether they're IB teachers or not, still insist on teaching things like To Kill a Mockingbird and The Great Gatsby and mm-hmm. whatever. And I was like, first of all, I love both those books. 
Um, but we got talking about how it's a kill a mockingbird. The beginning part is interesting, but it's not Scout's story. No. It's, it's Jem's the town's story. story. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. Je- but it's Jem's story told by Scout. His little sister. Mm-hmm. And we got talking about how if we didn't know that there was a sequel to it or a companion piece or whatever you want to call Ghost at a Watchman, um, you could make the assumption if you wanted to, and it would be a, maybe make for more robust conversation in class, that perhaps Scout is telling that part of the story because her brother has passed away. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's it's this uh, this attempt for her to like, you know, memorialize her big brother and understand him and understand him a little bit through that lens of adulthood. And so like that got into like a really interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got talking about the structure of that book and how, like how we're from part one to part two, how uneven it is mm-hmm. because then you go from like this sort of like micro story about this family and you get the, like the hints of what's coming in uh, part two. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, we'll link to the episodes that we did. We did some book talks on this shit, so here you go. And by some, um, I think like five. <laughs> three, or, three or four, anyway. Three for sure, but possibly four. Um, and so we we talked a little bit about how you get those like hints of what's coming mm-hmm. with like through Mrs. DuBose or whatever, but you're not really prepared for it. And then all of a sudden, when you get into part two, it's just like it's the trial of Tom Robinson, and it's just like this stark sort of shift Mm -hmm. and Um, that too is just scout retelling her father's story yes she's not really telling her own story the only time she really tells her bit of the story is right at the the very end and so we got talking then about how can you use a text like that to like discuss sort of you know can you use more contemporary text to discuss some of those issues and pull some passages you know, out of some of these older texts that we're a little bit more familiar with. And I would have said, I said, like, that you could definitely pull that bit where she's standing on the Radley porch at the end, where she watches their entire story unfold Mm -hmm. as sort of the lens through which you could, like, examine. The whole book. The whole book. Um, That's very interesting. It was, it was, so that kind of stuff, like, it was really nice to talk, because, like, some of the people that teach English at my school don't think of the same like would would think the same kind of way or like be willing to have some of those conversations so it was really nice to have that opportunity to like have those discussions uh-huh but that's with people yeah and that's something that i don't think you're going to get outside of that space no and and yeah i wouldn't expect like there are people that i work with who i could absolutely have those discussions with but it's the same people that i would have those discussions with anyway mm-hmm. and so this was just some new voices and stuff but it was really interesting um listening to what people were, you know, sort of apprehensible because there's a new IB curriculum and this is why this training was taking place when it was. Um, and one of the things that has happened, and this was a, a thing that th- these teachers are for, like there was me and then there was some other people in Edmonton Public and then there was people from uh, Edmonton Catholic, Elk Island, St. Albert, and then some actually had come up from Calgary for it. And the one common thing that they were all very upset about is that Margaret Lawrence has been removed from the reading list. <gasps> Except that, like, if you're teaching the higher level stuff, you can still use, like, schools free choice and you can teach Margaret Lawrence stuff. And so our facilitator wanted to know why that was such a big deal. And 
Um, I was like, well, because she's the best, but also I said, we have to like satisfy the Canadian content requirements of our curriculum. And she's the best. And she's great. And I said, but like, it was easy to get in some of, some of that Canadian content by using some of her short stories and using, um, even using a novel of hers if you wanted to. Um, Mm -hmm. and she was like, oh, and I said, yeah. And then she, cause our, our facilitator didn't know that our kids who take these programs, whether it's AP or IB or whatever, still also have to, like, complete the Alberta curriculum. Oh, give me a fucking break. How do they not know that? Because, from what it sounds like where she is, it's, like, an either-or. If a kid does, like, the full IB diploma, that's, like, an equivalency. What? Which is fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But it's essentially an equivalency, and so they can they can get away with not doing necessarily all of that. Sure, but I mean, like, how how could someone who's a coordinator for an IB program and teaching at an IB education yeah. session not know that their curriculum isn't the only curriculum? Do you know what I mean? Oh no! Well, but I think no, I know, but I think it's because at her school, like in her in her district or whatever, however that it's designed, whether it's like a state thing or a county thing or whatever. If the kid does, like, an IB diploma, it's, like, a high school equivalency. Whereas she didn't realize that that wasn't the case here. (laughs) Even if a kid does an IB diploma. Yeah. Wow. um, That there's still that, like, and and also she, and I mean, fair enough. Like, she teaches in Maryland. Like, why would she know this? That we have these, like, Canadian content restrictions. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? And so then, so then I looked at the prescribed reading list, and I thought this was really interesting. And you could look at all of the different Canadian authors. And there are so many Canadian authors uh, in French. Oh. So many. But not very many in English. There's, like, maybe a dozen now that are on the prescribed reading list. That's really bizarre. Yeah, it's very strange. Hmm. But yeah, it was, it was interesting, and I learned a lot of stuff, and, uh, I learned that, like, I probably am very capable of doing that. I just never really, like, I mean, not that I ever thought that I wasn't, but, like, I was like, oh, this isn't nearly as overwhelming as I thought it was going to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this one woman, this one teacher from Calgary, who thought my school was a dump, and I wanted to take her out back by the bite racks and beat her up. So, like, she vocalized that. Yeah. Yeah, she sure did. In like how? In what way? What like what what? Well, so we have you know how we have that like atrium space in the middle. Yeah. Um. So our leadership classroom is like right off of the atrium space and it's been under construction since like may basically they had to they so they've been working on it because you know school board construction doesn't go very fast no. and uh so the entire leadership classroom all of the contents of it were like outside in the atrium um which cuts off some of that space as well so it looked like everything looks a mess like it's awful right now um and she and the room that we were in was also off the atrium not just like kind of on the other side and yeah she was just making a comment about how much of a dump the school looked and i was like yeah well in my head I was like bitch I will cut you seriously though Calgary people aren't nice no I'm sorry Calgary people but you're not as nice as people in Edmonton you're rude and I'm a Calgary person now so I can be rude and tell you this to your face (laughs) (laughs) you're not nice (laughs) Um, but yeah so that's that was the thing that I did this week which is very interesting hundred percent. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a kind of nice in a way to, like, talk about literature with other people who like to talk about literature. Uh-huh. Because I don't have much of that in my life, so. 
but it was kind of fun it was kind of fun i have a quiz for you are you ready fuck yeah let's do it It, it's just made me laugh because the tagline is the thing that made me laugh the title of the quiz is build your meal and we'll reveal what kind of smart you are but then the, the second, like, the byline here is like, I guess your pasta order says a lot, doesn't it? And I was like, mmm, pasta. Ooh, let's Because right it. before we hit record, we were talking about how knowing a person's sandwich order is, like, a key to knowing the person. Yeah. Um, so here we are. So choose an appetizer. Are you ready? Yes. Shrimp cocktail, avocado toast, cucumber cream cheese bites, or tuna tartare. What the fuck? Just pick one. All of those are disgusting. I would take the cucumber cream cheese. Yeah, that's the only option. Ugh. Yeah. Choose a soup. Roasted pumpkin, ramen, tomato bisque, or cream of broccoli. Um, pumpkin. The picture that they have of the tomato bisque looks phenomenal. Oh, does it? Um, what is your main course? Salmon and veggies, seafood, gumbo, fish and chips, or strip steak? I bet you it's going to be strip steak. Why do you have three fish options? Fish options. options. I know. What the fuck? I don't know. Like, that's not even... Oh, my God. Well, obviously, you're not giving me many choices here. The strip steak. (laughs) I figured that's what you're going to pick. Okay, beverage. Wine, a mojito, lemonade, or a smoothie? Mojito! Yeah, very, very odd. Dessert, chocolate cream pie, a parfait, a donut, or a sundae? All of these are terrible. We'll pick the least terrible one. A sundae. (laughs) I swear to fucking God, if there's caramel or butterscotch on there, I'm going to flip a table. No, it looks like uh, there's whipped cream and chocolate sauce with like what looks like to be an Oreo sticking out of it. Excellent. Okay, thank and there's, God. Yeah, and I think it looks like just vanilla chocolate stuff. It looks pretty good, actually, I'm not going to lie to you. There might also be some, like, crushed chocolate chip cookies in it. Excellent. Looks pretty great. You are a visual spatial smart. So you see the world in, like, colors and pictures rather than words and numbers. I don't know if that's true or not. I just like the idea of the food. I'm just really disappointed by the food. The food was kind of disappointing. That was it's just, like... They really under or oversold that one. They did. They really, really did. Um, what do you else have questions? I have like four questions. Well, let's do it. Um, or maybe only three. It depends. I think because Tyler's question is just like, are you actually recording? Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it's been a while. It's It's been a long time and I apologize for that. Hey, Sorry, guys. I was literally out of the country for two and a half weeks. What do you want? <laughs> um, okay. Well, Amanda asked so many questions. Oh, she's the best. Yay, Amanda. Okay, first question is from, uh, I don't even know his name, but Jack Handy, the Oilers fan. <laughs> um, will Lindsey Vaughn be a distraction? I guess I'm assuming with PK Subban. I don't know. Be a How distraction? Long? Yeah. Just I'm assuming. I think PK Subban is the distraction. So. Yeah. <laughs> PK's a distraction, not her. Yeah. Give me a break. No. She's, if anything, like she, like, she calls him out on his shit all the time. She really does, and I love everything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she want, He also wants to know who, how long till Jack Hughes cuts his hair. Um, oh, gonna he's going to keep that flow going. 
I'm gonna say before, like, like either, if he doesn't do it mid season, it's gonna. It's, if he doesn't do it like over their bye week, he'll do it, like at the end of the season. Yeah, that's what I think too. Uh, and who's the best wakeboarder on the Devils? Um, I'm gonna say Miles Wood. Miles so. Wood. <laughs> He's pretty good. Hit. I texted Amanda yesterday that his curls belong in the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, Amanda wants to know, why do planes have to make horrible noises and bounce a bunch on attempting to land? And I feel like it has something to do with the speed at which they approach the landing. <laughs> that it's really hard not to do that, Amanda. Yeah, I think that's just, like, straight-up physics for you. <laughs> yeah, like, there's there's nothing we can do Those here. are the I'm natural so laws of the universe. Oh, there's a question that's gonna murder us both. Are you ready? Oh, God. It's not what you think it is, I promise. Okay. If you had to choose, would you rather put cheese on everything and never be able to eat bread again, or eat all the bread but not be able to put cheese on anything? Is this from Amanda? Yes. Oh my god, how dare you? Okay, I'm gonna go, no, no, it's fine, I have a semantic answer to this, it's, it's fine, she, she miswrote this, I think. It doesn't say I can't eat cheese by itself. It just says, eat all the bread, but not be able to put cheese on anything. Okay, well then the bread one. Yes. Yes. Because if it's like you can't ever eat cheese again, what do you do? You you die. There's no reason <laughs> to live, Megan. If, if there's no bread and no cheese, like, what is even the point? Why are we here? <laughs> um, okay, so because you miswrote this, Amanda, we're going to eat the bread and eat cheese separately. Yes. Oh, Which I've sounds... I've been known to go through a block of parm with no <laughs> accoutrement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I eat like I have a my favorite thing right now. I have like a block of marble cheddar cheese in my fridge. I like marble cheese. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I like the texture of it a little bit better than just like regular cheddar cheese. I hate it. I hate it. It's like rubber. But I like it when it's sliced really, really thin. Okay. And so. Like really thin, like like I like almost paper thin. I like it when it's sliced really really thin, and I'll just like put that and on a cracker with like a little bit of jam. Oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. It's pretty good. Blackberry jam is where I'm at right now. It's it's pretty it's pretty pretty good. Um, I've gone through a lot of blackberry jam, so <laughs> <laughs> and lots of crackers. <laughs> I don't have a problem. It's fine. But not a lot I've of also, cheese. <laughs> I, well, no, not as much, but I've also eaten that for dinner more times this school year than is probably okay. So here we are. Hey, it's, it's a great. complete meal. Um, there's fruit in the blackberry jam. It's all good. Um, if you had cramps, would you rather eat a mustard packet or drink pickle juice? Pickle juice. Abs- I mean, mustard is fine, but pickle juice is like obviously the one. It's delicious. Okay. How much wood would Brady Kachuk chuck if Brady Kachuk could chuck wood? That was from the Columbus Blue Jackets Twitter. Oh, God. Um, is the answer... Okay, I think I have the answer. This okay. is the answer. The sound of a tree falling in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and we have an FMK from Amanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Schneider cramping Taylor Hall's leg and Connor's shoulder. So I think, I think it's like, which is the least concerning to the most? I think you, and by like most concerning would be kill. 
I th- yeah, to get rid of it. Yeah, so Corey's hips. I'm sorry, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Um... I don't know how to answer this. I don't really know how to answer that one either, but, like, here's the thing. You always fuck Taylor Hall. Yeah, pretty much. So, I think that's the answer to our question. Problem solved. <laughs> Done and dusted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. She also was at the home opener. She sure was. And she took some pictures of him looking spiffy. Did she? Yeah. In the um, red carpet? Yeah. <gasps> she didn't send me any of those. No, she just sent it to their Twitter, but you don't read that, so... Oh, I don't have the Twitter. <laughs> nope. Um, and then I got, uh... I got some text questions just saying how my phone is doing weird things here. Um, where are we? Okay. Two hockey questions and a Simpsons question. Okay. Which individual NHL players are you cheering for this year? Oh, top Obviously three? Taylor Hall. Yeah, sure. Well, top three, T to B, Taylor Hall. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Taylor Hall. And I would like to see... I don't know. Who else do I care about? Nobody. I don't know. It's just hockey. I always want to see Sidney Crosby do well. Mm-hmm. Just at all of the things. Um, I don't know, though. I haven't really thought that far. Because, like, hockey's on again, but, like, it's also baseball playoffs, and that's way more important. So It's also football. Yeah. It's the worst time of year. <laughs> no, it's the absolute best time of the year. There's baseball playoffs and football and, uh, and hockey, and then basketball starts right away. Like, October is a great month. Yeah, it's just a lot. I'm a yeah. fantasy football widow, so. Oh, are you? Yes. I don't do fantasy football because I always forget to set my lineups, so. You know what, Megan? Here's my hot take. I wish nobody did. <laughs> my favorite thing, though, is Katie Nolan doing fantasy football. Um, Watching her, like, Sunday Instagram stories are super great. Oh, are they? Yeah, she's pretty funny. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know, like, what's going on, like, NHL-wise. Like, I haven't really been paying much attention. I was watching some stuff, like, because the season opened on Wednesday, and, like, certain players were named in, like, certain teams, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, now some country plays in Colorado now. Like, it was very different from the attention that I've paid in the past. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. So I don't really have an answer to that question. Like, Taylor Hall, I w- yeah, I would like to see... I would like to see uh, Sidney Crosby do well. I would like uh, Joe Thornton to win a Stanley Cup, so I'll pay attention to him. Eric Carlson, I'll pay attention to those guys. Yeah, I'm going to agree with your assessment. Um, Eric Carlson and his wife just had a baby. Aww. And then the Sharks, he, so he missed their home opener or their first game of the season because he was, you know, being a dad. Um, and then he was back uh, for their next game or whatever, or the, back the next day at practice, and they put, like, a picture of him on the ice and they really just, like, with, like, the daddy shark. Do-do-do. And I was like, oh, that's really cute. That's um, really cute. Yeah, it was good. Um, what is your power ranking of NHL analysts? That's actually a very good question. Um, oh, God. There are none that are very good. No. I don't think. Like, I don't know. I don't watch. I would say Ray Ferraro is number one. If for, like, a color guy. But, like, I think we're talking about, like, studio analysts. Elliot Friedman is probably the only one that I would, like, ever actually really listen to. I like David Amber. 
David, yeah, David Amber's pretty good. But, like, most of the rest of those guys, I just don't have any... I just, I'm generally muted when they're on. Like, I don't have time to listen to them. No, I don't. I don't listen to men talk to me about sports anymore. I don't. Um, I, will, I don't have to do that. I will listen to, like, podcasts and stuff, but that's, like, a choice that I'm making. Yeah. And then when I get tired of it, like, it's not a scheduled thing, and so I'm like, I only want to listen to 20 minutes of this, and then I'll only listen to 20 minutes of it. Just go um, about your day. Yeah. Or, like, have it on while I'm working, and then if I don't actually hear it all, it's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't know if there's any good ones. I really don't know. I don't I watch the, any the to soccer. know. I miss the Soccer Women's World Cup because on TSN they just had a bunch of women talking about sports and it was great. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it was wonderful. And here's the Simpsons question. It's a good question. What Simpsons moments are most ingrained in your brain? Oh, God. Wait, who's, is this from Mike? No, this is from a friend at work who wishes oh. to remain nameless. Oh, okay. Um, oh, well, just so many that are just, like, great quotes that me and my sister just say to each other all the time. Like, you don't make friends with salad. <laughs> it's true. Like, has there ever been a more philosophical statement? I don't think so. My absolute favorite Simpsons moment of all time is from the episode where they go to Canada. Mm-hmm. When uh, Bart is like, when his girlfriend, Greta, whatever, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. She's co-producing her dad's movie. And they go to Canada um, and Bart and Homer are in the CN Tower and he's like, Bart says, I'm a 10 year old boy in Toronto and I should be the happiest guy in the world. Instead, I can't stop thinking about Greta. And then the guy that works in the CN Tower says, oh, you'll win her back, eh? And B, we're closing in five minutes. <laughs> It is so fucking funny. It is such a great joke. Like it is just oh, oh my like there are, there are moments from that episode that are just like absolutely phenomenal. And then and then Homer's like, "What an American!" He's like, "What a um." He's like, "Would an American dollar change your mind?" <laughs> because this was like in whatever when the dollar was like sixty seven cents, and uh, the guy is like, "American currency? What time would you like your breakfast?" It's so funny. Oh my god! Oh, and then and then they go through this little like montage with a Rush song in the background, <laughs> and Marge, <laughs> which is like great, and then uh, Marge is on like a studio tour, like a, I'm assuming it's like a Paramount thing, but anyway, she's on a studio tour. And this guy's, like, driving this little, like, golf carty thing through the studio. And she's like, I notice you drive on the left side of the road here. Uh, and the driver's like, no, ma'am, I'm drunk. Oh, my <laughs> It's God. so, like, the whole, like, there's, like, a four-minute sequence in that episode that's really great. Just so uh, later in that episode, uh, Milhouse and Bart are, like, fighting. And they somehow, like, end up in a curling game. I don't know, like, on the ice. And they're like, oh, these two Yankee Doodles have turned this match into a dandy. And the other commentators, like, both our viewers must be thrilled. It's so funny. So hard. It is my, it is my absolute favorite episode of that t- that show. That's so funny. Which is, like, just tickles me because there's been, like, a few Canadians as writers on that show, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was my... just... It was just everything about it is just so good. My favorite one, I think, is Lisa the Vegetarian because it's so quotable. It is very quotable. And probably my second favorite one is a... I'm trying to think. It's a newer one, 
but it's the one and and by newer i mean 2003 um where lisa is running for little miss springfield that one's very good yeah and then when similar to i love the musical ones like any of the musical ones i just die i like the treehouse of horror one where we find out that bart is the evil twin (laughs) yes (laughs) that one's pretty good and the lord of the flies one is also good yeah um oh and when the when lisa runs for class president and it's like the evita episode (laughs) that one's very good um yeah any musical ones are down with and i think pretty much anything that ralph wiggum has ever said oh for sure is a great quote absolutely it smells like burning. Or doesn't he say, like, the voices tell me to burn things? <laughs> or something like that. Oh, what a dumb show. I love it. My nose would stop it's bleeding like, I mean, if I, I just get my finger out of it. <laughs> I don't think I've watched a new episode of The Simpsons in, like, ten years. Yes. Yeah, um, but I haven't needed to, so that's the best part. That's the best uh, part. It's, re- yeah. it's rewatchable. It's very rewatchable. Um, but yeah, I, for me, I think it's that Canada one. I think that's like the, that is the peak moment. Also, I have a funny story to tell you and then we should sign off. Um, I had to get my computer at work like re-imaged because I couldn't log out. It was all very complicated. I don't really understand what happened. Um, but anyway, and so all, all of my like personal settings were gone, like the sounds and all that stuff, including my background. It was just back to like the default school board background. And what was and, it before? Uh, it was a picture of the Northern Lights. Okay. Um, and so I had saved, obviously, like, some photos in, in, like, my documents in, like, the pictures folder. And I never rename anything because it doesn't really matter to me. Um, and I was like, oh, maybe this is the one that I'm looking for. And I opened it up and it was, like, the fake Jamie Ben like, NHL ad that I made. <laughs> it's oh like, I would God. do anything for love, but I won't do that. So I put it up and I left it there for all of Friday. And my kids were like, I don't get it. I'm like, never mind. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, it's just a joke. And then one of my buddies down the hall came in and saw it, and he just had to walk away. <laughs> because, like, he follows me on Twitter, and, like, we, they know the joke. And he was, he just had to walk away. He's like, I can't even talk to you while that is up on your board. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That is crazy. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> it was real good. The, the audacity that you have to put that up, though, is something I would never do. Well, it's a, I mean, it's just a picture of Jamie Benton. It's got the NHL logo, and then it just says, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Sure, but it's a reference to oh, it's oral a reference. sex. <laughs> <laughs> Something awful. <laughs> Megan, well, don't he, forget. <laughs> he, George Bush dropped the puck at their game this week. And oh. Jamie Benn, of course, is the captain, and someone's like, oh, I guess he got over his fear of Bush. And oh, I was like, oh, fuck, no. I wish I had thought of that. Oh, no. Thank God I'm not on Twitter. Because of that Jamie Benn joke, um, so I got a I got a whole bunch of new Twitter followers because I said something, like, mildly intelligent about education in this province. And all these people are like, oh, I should follow her. She's very insightful. And then, like, four days later, I was like, Jamie Benn doesn't like to eat pussy. Like, it was just... (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm so sorry to all of you people who followed me because you thought I was smart. Megan, you contain (laughs) multitudes. But I always wonder, when people do that, if then, like, what they think. 
later. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I'm always curious. It's like, because I, I get, like, you'll see sometimes, like, you get, like, something that goes a little bit viral or whatever. And people are like, oh, I'm going to follow this for a while. And I'm just like, oh, man, all you're going to see me is talking about, like, football players in, and their and their butts in their football <laughs> pants for a while. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Hey, everyone's got their interests and hobbies, Megan. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, that's all we have for this week. You know, just barely, barely got and one in this, today. <laughs> and or this month, I guess. <laughs> Question mark. Yeah, so true. No, this should be episode number 97, I believe. Thank I'm pretty sure. God. <laughs> um, We still sort of have a half a plan for our 100th episode, but we were, it might never come. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, the world may end before then, so. It is Here's to hoping. <laughs> although, although, I did joke around a long time ago saying that, like, this podcast, we'd get to our last episode and then the heat death of the universe would come and Lucic would still be an oiler and he's not. Some miracles can happen. Small miracles. Big dreams. Yeah. So that's all we have for this week. Uh, thanks for listening to us and, like, putting up with our nonsense and our um, month-long absence and no one asking any questions about us. So it's nice to know you guys are paying attention. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can find our stuff on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, blanking here. What do I say? We have say? a website. Oh, we have a website. <laughs> and an Instagram. Address. Yeah, on Instagram. Sometimes we update Instagram. Occasionally Twitter gets updated. Not very often, but that's okay. You can find me on Twitter at Meg14, where I talk about the state of education in this province. Uh, and also, and also and all Yeah, and also, like, Jamie Ben's proclivities. It's great. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great space. <laughs> it's a safe space. <laughs> we can talk about anything in that space. <laughs> Literally anything. Uh, unless you try and tell me that baseball playoffs are not the most exciting playoffs that there are, because you're wrong. That is a hard line in the sand for me. Okay. Good to know. Um, But yeah, that's all we have for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster.